I'm Tefra Jemian, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Actually, very specifically this week, given um, you've probably heard that Canada's on fire because I have friends who live in the southern U.S. texting me and saying Canada's on fire. And I think it would be a good idea to go and look up indigenous land stewardship and uh, how the problem of forest fires comes in part and in large part from the wiping out of indigenous land stewardship on a large scale. So with me today, I have a former host and producer of the Yeah podcast, podcaster and all around food lover, Caddy Diop on the show. Caddy, it is so nice to be behind the mics with you again today. It is really great to be here. I'm so happy. This is wonderful. And we have spent so many hours doing this, and it just feels very good (laughs) to be back doing it. It really does, like an old pair of slippers, like very comforting and comfortable. Here we go. Let's see uh, who can get it on bread time. That's a throwback for any of you, yeah, listeners. Bread time. (laughs) (laughs) So we are talking today about lavash, and I asked you to do this because I remember that I think last year during bread talks during Munch Madness when bread won the first time you talked about lavash when you were on the show and about loving it and that was so exciting to me because I'm Armenian as Tom keeps making fun of me for saying every time I'm on the show (laughs) and uh, lavash is like Armenian food culture. Like, lavash is, like, the bread in Armenia. It developed in... it's So, officially, it's Armenian bread, but then a bunch of the countries around Armenia were a little grouchy about that uh, because it's regional rather than because borders are made up. But it was a very significant part of my growing up. Uh, I ate a lot of it, really love it, and I'm not used to people knowing it. So that was really exciting, and I was immediately like, okay, someday, somehow, Caddy and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about lavash. I love this. So I was introduced to lavash by my mother. So my mom spent a a good deal of uh, her 20s living in Egypt and traveled a lot throughout the Middle East and I guess the Western Middle East as well, I guess (laughs) it's kind of odd to say, but, um, and she developed a Mm -hmm. huge love for every iteration of flatbread. And uh, growing up in uh, the neighborhood where I grew up, we had a magnificent Persian uh, grocer uh, who had these large slabs of lavash for sale. Mm -hmm. And it uh, was such a pleasure for my mom that it just, it was contagious. Yeah. And I fell fell for it because it's so soft and good. It's a flat. It's a really special flatbread, in my opinion, because it's not 
I mean, it will dry out, and we can talk about the different forms of lavash later, but it is so soft and so pillowy mm-hmm. while being something that is cooked on the wall of, a, of an earthen oven, you know? It's a flatbread. It's a traditional flatbread. I like to think that lavash is the oldest form of bread because it developed in, like, that part of the world. They're cooked in toniers, which are like the big earthen uh, ovens in Armenia, which sound a lot like uh, uh, tandoors. If you're familiar with tandoori chicken, it is almost like cooking methods were kind of similar. Almost as if humans really, like our most basic ovens are basically pits Mm -hmm. in the ground and like it works for us. Yeah. It works really well. It does good things. Yeah. I love looking at Tonier's. Okay, no, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up because I am I feel like I'm jumping to like intermediate lavash and I haven't <laughs> yet given the listeners lavash 101. Let's do it. And we are passionate lavash fans so we can forget that not everybody is familiar with this miracle of human achievement. Um, <laughs> so lavash is not special in its makeup. Like lavash is water, flour, salt, leavening, and sometimes sugar as well. Uh, And then sometimes garnished with seeds, which is... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh, Caddy had the biggest smile. (laughs) And then it's it has a little, you know, Audelie's period. It has a a fermentation period. And then it's just shaped and smacked into the oven. And I am not sure what magic occurs that Mm -hmm. makes this bread not like other bread. You know, it might, it is probably the being cooked up against the wall of the oven. Um, it is, I, I know that like, this is a very early bread and you, flatbreads are very early breads because before we had ovens that you could leave something in for a long time, it was just slap this on a hot rock and it has to cook through. So mm-hmm. you make it very thin so you can slap it on the hot rock and it will cook through. And that's what you see with naan and pita and like every other <laughs> kind of flatbread in the world yeah. um, tortillas but there is some magic that happens with lavash where it rises it and does. it doesn't it it rises in almost like a focaccia kind of way that is a wonderful way of describing it yes yeah and it's just wonderful yes and it's pillowy and you can get a nice crust on the mm-hmm. outside while still having this really lovely malleable texture to it mm-hmm. um lavash is amazing sandwich bread yeah nice. wrap that uh, around mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. it's got a nice bite to it too mm-hmm. like it's got like it's it's not it doesn't fall apart like it's not like soft to like it's not like mo- mochi soft you know like it, yeah. it, it doesn't have like cue to it it's really just such a delightful type of texture and because there's indentations just like focaccia yeah it's not an even bread so you get like crispier bits and Mm -hmm. softer bits and like more like dip in a stew kind of parts and more Mm -hmm. like just kind of nibble like a cracker uh parts which is so delightful i'm so glad you brought up crackers and dipping in stew because here's the other property of lavash it dries out pretty quickly because it's very thin like you know you leave a pita on the counter the next day you have a pita chip like that's yes how flatbread works lavash would be stored historically in piles 
so that the ones kind of in the middle would stay soft. Mm -hmm. Um, But also when it dries out, it's eaten like a cracker or like a dried out, dried out bread. So you put it in stew. There's a a broth that's eaten in the winter made from like calves hooves that is traditionally eaten with dried lavash and then you scoop it with fresh lavash. So like lavash on lavash. This is why I say it's ridiculous that I have like a little gluten intolerance because like my people are bread people. Like... (laughs) They are, and they make dang good bread. Um, I was uh, I was looking up lavash just because, like, while I have a personal affiliation to it, I also wanted to have a little bit of knowledge and found out that it is used for Eucharist in certain parts of the world. I was about I was like, to say that. I was like, this yeah. is some Jesus bread. Well, because this the, is some godly bread. So the other thing with Armenia is that Armenia was the first officially Christian country in the world. Yes. Armenia was the first country to be like, hey, this is our religion. And uh, Armenian, like, there is still the Church of Armenia. Like, that is still, you know, it's closer to Eastern Orthodox than to, like, Western Catholicism. Um, And yeah, lavash was used as the Eucharist. That's wild. Which is actually for a little while. (laughs) This is one of my little dad's eccentricities. Uh, When we were at this, just like, you know, we were in just the whitest church. Like, our church was, like, came from the Scottish Covenanters. Like, this was um, a this, not even spicy white like no we're, we're, like we're just like boring white like yes. northern irish and scottish who came to the u.s in order to preserve their their religion and oh boy did they preserve it and my dad <laughs> my armenian italian father uh who refused to give up drinking wine to become a pastor and became the first person in the denomination to do that um <laughs> decided that we should be using pita and lavash for communion because he was like jesus was not eating a bull <laughs> this is not what jesus ate uh, jesus was in the middle east and jesus would eat middle eastern bread <laughs> and this is what we're having for communion he he would. lost the fight to have uh leavened wine um he used to say communion should be unleavened bread and leavened wine uh, mm. but that did not wise but mm. that did not fly anyway so yeah it is we talk about like in both of the munch madnesses i feel like now i'm just repeating myself and people are probably sick of this but like bread is food bread is life you go back in human history yes. and like what do we do we mix up some grain with some water and then we throw it on a fire one way or another and there's something really i don't know there's just something really special about like being able to talk about lavash with someone who knows it and loves it like yes, yeah it's wonderful for me as well honestly um and i think that it's what i like is that it is a bread that comes from like one of the most interesting regions mm-hmm. like culinary wise you know mm-hmm. like it's it's just like you think spice road you think uh you know you think of like kebabs and everything that can go with lavash and it just truly it keeps on giving it's a gift that keeps on giving also i have to say as a child my favorite thing about lavash was its size yes right it's (laughs) lavash is like a blanket (laughs) yeah it's like a meter of bread and you know, I grew up in a very baguette household, mm-hmm. bag- a very baguette forward household. And there's something really fun about like, I do have memories of like playing uh, swords uh, with baguettes. Yeah. But with lavash, it was just, I just kind of wanted to like pet it almost like, yeah. like as if it was like a nice fur that I was gonna about to put on my lap. Like it, it does have a blanket quality to it. That's so fun. And from a sensory aspect, also really pleasurable. Like, yeah. it's just 
a little step outside of our North American staples. Mm -hmm. And I really dig it. Now, um, I will say the size of Lavash tends to be a like cook specific region specific mm. thing. So it's not always huge. Sometimes it's huge. Sometimes it's like pita size. And that's the other thing about Lavash is that it's very regionally specific. Um, so like I mentioned before, like Armenia claimed it, but it also absolutely has Persian roots, absolutely has uh, absolutely has roots in like Azerbaijan and all of the, the other countries around Armenia. Yes. One thing that I really love about Lavash being like such an ancient bread is that it is an archaeological, like there's so much archaeological research on it because of the... Uh, to near because of the um, ovens mm -hmm. then these terracotta ovens get preserved because they're ceramic and they get preserved with uh, like dough scrapings from getting stuck to the oven so many times and so they can go back and find evidence of this bread back millennia um, just way, way 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 back because again this is one of the areas of the world where we have the, the most ancient ruins and also the most yeah. archaeological activity which is based on many factors <laughs> mainly colonialism mainly but, colonialism okay. and uh, Christofascism a little bit yes yeah. um, but I find that fun that to think that like this could be the type of bread that shapes bread yeah like, for the majority of us right yeah uh, this is the area of the world where or this is an area of the world where you can think back as far back as possible mm -hmm. and there were people there and that's like the the, the birthplace of well civilization honestly <laughs> like yeah. and i think that's really fun to think that like the lovely lavash that i can enjoy with breakfast is not that far away other than the strain of wheat obviously but from something that like jeebus would have been consuming or any other mythological uh figure from i guess that area yeah one thing I love thinking about, and this is really sort of a flight of fancy more than like based in anything serious, but during the period that I was making a lot of sourdough, the thing with sourdough, which is, as we've said on this show before, like before, I want to say sometime in the 1800s, mm -hmm. all bread was sourdough because commercial yeast was not a thing. Dry yeast was not a thing. That makes perfect sense. Yes. So uh, natural fermentation, like all bread was naturally fermented before then. And when you make a naturally fermented dough, the environment affects it, right? It's affected. It grows because of the yeasts and the bacteria in the air. And yes. so you have things like the uh, San Francisco sourdough starter that's been alive for centuries and they, you know, send samples to people. But you can have um, sourdough from the same starter and if you compare the bread, they taste different because they have different yeasties and beasties in the environment. And uh, Yeasties and beasties. <laughs> I love that. And probably if you look at samples of them in a microscope, you see a completely different environment, completely different colonies because it's based on the environment. And as somebody whose ancestral village no longer exists in any way, I mean, except for as ruins, I just love the thought that theoretically you could dig up a tunier in that village and you could scrape dough off of it and you yeah. could revive that colony. 
you just kind of blew my mind because that would be eating history and such a direct connection to ancestry and to oh it's the kind of thing that makes you want to like taste the dirt in the place where you are like it's very odd thing to say but um yeah I love that and just the the Mm, the gut connection mm-hmm. uh like mm-hmm. it's it's very primal like uh, i mean primal probably a little past primal for bread but nonetheless i think there is still something so fascinating yeah. there wow it came to me because they did that with uh bread i think from um egyptian tombs okay i think they they took some and revived it there was like a starter and they revived it and made bread with it i th- I think they didn't eat the bread until they'd sort of like, you know, dealt Tested with the it. starter for a long time, made sure. <laughs> um, but they made it with the starter with ancient grains and it was just like we're eating bread from Listen, thousands of years ago. The food sciences make no sense to me sometimes yeah. because honestly, if they promoted themselves as what they're actually doing, I think that way more of us would like be elbows deep into the food sciences like these are the kinds of things that like when I was struggling with chemistry I would have loved for someone to say hey you know what this could be helpful because you could think about like bread you could think Mm -hmm. about instead of thinking about like uh, quote-unquote hard sciences just bringing in that aspect and then adding in like the social the sociological elements right be bread is like we you can tell when the world's about to fall apart because of the price of wheat and yeah. things like that so like it is fascinating like oh my god what if instead of just like swabbing your hands and growing it on a petri dish in high school or along with in bio yep. you made sourdough starter you know what if everybody made sourdough starter in their homes and then compared them I know they don't do the little like uh, adopt an egg situations yeah. very um, showing my age but uh, uh you know, adopt a sourdough starter. Man, adopting a sourdough starter is significantly more like raising a baby than adopting an egg. Absolutely. <laughs> Burping and Like you have to feed it, you have to clean up its messes. <laughs> you have to feed it, but just the right amount because you don't want it to get like too intense. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't want it to be Just like children, if you feed it too much, it will grow too fast and take over your home. <laughs> If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of June, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to a family in need. There's literally no other way to turn zero into six. So if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. We're still trying to grow our Patreon to reach our $50 a month goal, and when we get there, we'll be launching our No Bad Food Recipe Club, where each month we'll post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family. Maybe we'll even talk about starting your own sourdough starter or making lavash. If you aren't already a member of our Patreon, please consider joining up at patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod today. So, Caddy, Pepper. how do you like to eat lavash most? I like my lavash lightly toasted. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And I like the lavash with like, um, um, like seeds on it, like with like, uh, like uh, sesame seeds, nigella seeds, whatever seeds. Nigella uh, seeds need to be on more things. Listen, it's phenomenal. Um, and I like it. So toasted to the point of being like crispy on the outside and like, but still like yields easily. Um, I like it with uh, plain yogurt, mm-hmm. olive oil. Mm-hmm. And salt. Mm-hmm. 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 That is it. Um, this is how I watched my mom eat. You're Lavash an honorary and... Armenian. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! I'm very happy. Yogurt, absolutely. Like, put yogurt on a thing, and like, yep. I mean, and it makes sense to me. Like, it's just, it makes so much sense. Yogurt and bread, and it was something that, like, I remember the first time I saw my mom do that, and just kind of being like what is happening like (laughs) yogurt is supposed to be a sweet treat Mm -hmm. and um boy did i learn uh because it doesn't have to be and it's just it adds that tartness that over like that cuts through the like Mm -hmm. the sweetness well like like yeah the sweet and softness of the bread Mm -hmm. i guess and it's just that little hit of acid with it it just marries so well Mm -hmm. and yeah it's that is my favorite way of having lavash. That is wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. And that reminds me that the, um, actually, we're not talking about lahmajun right now, um, but lahmajun and, and zatar are two more like Middle Eastern flatbread based things that we should talk about sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would eat those with plain yogurt, and that's very nice. Uh, but the way mm. I really, so do you know uh, jujuk? I is don't. that something your mother introduced you to? Jujuk is an Armenian salad that's, it, it's a version of the cucumber salad that everybody makes in the Got Middle it. East. So raita, um, the like uh, tzatziki, like these are all versions of the same thing. The Armenian version, or at least the version my family eats, your cucumbers are chunkier. It's more like cucumber, like quarter pieces or even mm. slices um, in yogurt and garlic and mint. And that on a flatbread I will make it for you this summer. You come over, I will make you jajuk. I would like that, please, yes. Um, You ever, man, we'll have lachmajun and jajuk because I know we're not talking about lachmajun, but if you wrap up jajuk in lachmajun with like like a little green onion or chives, oh, it's... You're uh, hitting all the flavor profiles that bring me joy. It's a revelation. It's... Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, but you can also do that with lavash. And I really like jajuk with lavash. It's really nice. Because uh, like you said, the yogurt, the tartness uh, plays really nicely. In the summer, I am so happy to just eat like flatbreads and things. Um, oh, yes. Now, I only started eating lavash regularly when we moved to Boston when I was about okay. nine, because in Ontario, we didn't really have access to Armenian food. Uh, we would go to Ottawa every now and then and get like boxes of lachmajun and freeze them so that we had them. Um, <laughs> but like fresh bread, it was just not a thing that we were getting. And so when we moved to Boston, Boston has a very large Armenian population. Um, and there was uh, an Armenian bakery, shout out to the Savan Bakery in Watertown. It is 
the best. It's the best. It's the best. Like, I know there's a lot of Armenians here, too, but I have not had Lachmajun like the Savan Bakery Lachmajun in Montreal. Um, okay. They're so good. And it was the same thing, like blankets of lavash. And mm. something we did very frequently in the summer was we would go to Savan and we would get lavash and basterma and sujuk and uh, string cheese, Armenian string cheese, which Ooh. is like a very salty, very chewy string cheese. And then just like a ton of olives and like briny things. And sometimes we'd make a jajuk too. And that was just what you had for dinner. You just tore off the lavash. You ate it. Oh, and dolma. I can't. Always dolma. Always okay. Dolma okay. with every meal. Dolma Come before. On. Yeah, we need to have you over. I need to make you a proper Armenian spread because I've never done that. And I, I need I to. I would love that <laughs> so much because everything you're describing is making my mouth water. Yeah. So, yes. So that's really like I like it as just like a little sneaky snack with like a bunch of different things and I get to have the variety and then of course just like we'd we'd have a bruschetta or a hummus or like whatever because we're like a few in household and um, herbs and olive oil and uh, it's so good. It's so now I'm I'm wondering if like there would be a way of using lavash as a base for a dare I say it, flatbread, like, pizza situation. Honestly, I suspect that what La Majune is made of is not too different from Lavash. Yeah, it's just a bit thinner, but yes. But it is thinner, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so more like a focaccia situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just peppered with, like, some fun things like I mean obviously my my brain immediately goes to like any fresh cheese and herbs and like spring onions or like just a white onion like I feel like that to me says like that part of the world so yeah bread bread and onion is like very (laughs) very. not quite Europe not quite the Middle East but somewhere in between in that fuzzy area of goodness you know like The, the, it just like yes I I want all those things but I'm also wondering if lavash and sweet things would work uh so you were talking about lavash and and yogurt yes. and you just replace that um olive oil with a little drizzle of honey and some fruit so good yes yes now I want lavash yogurt honey and figs for yes. some reason no do it yes but, that's exactly it that's what you should do yeah that or yeah. apricots are also uh very that's so very sensual and sexy i'm very into it like i'm very into this there's like, a reason europe was absolutely obsessed with us that's fair, <laughs> that's fair. something about the noses as well let's be thank honest you, you, <laughs> i'm just saying that armenia had a a, a reputation uh for having very beautiful women, but they weren't worth kidnapping for slavery because they would kill you, which is something that I really, <laughs> I saw this, somebody like had a like, it was like, you know, one of these horrible things of like a slave yeah. trader's index of like who you should and shouldn't go for. Um, <laughs> and it was basically like, yeah, you could get a good price off of them if you could like actually enslave them. Yeah, I, nope. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> That took a turn. 
that took a turn, but man, my people could have used a couple Armenian friends in a few moments. Oof. I mean, I think like Armenians, the thing is that they were fighting so many wars on so many fronts all the time that the everybody, time. like you go back in history and you see so many pictures of Armenian women holding guns. There are yes. so many. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And like badasses. Yeah. Like, bad asses but also Armenia has been attacked from like every single angle possible yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh yeah 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 it still remains I remember the last time I traveled uh in Europe which is many many moons ago when I was young and uh comfortable sleeping on people's couches for oh long periods God. of times yep rest um, in peace <laughs> my back's a bit of a princess now so my, we don't do that anymore my hips told me it was raining today so like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember that is sort of when my awareness of I guess Armenian food came into light like because I I was very fortunate and got to you know meet a bunch of cool people who were like very hardcore backpackers right and who were like oh I'm gonna like travel only by land uh from i don't know from france all the way to china right. and i was like oh these people are wild and all of them would always have the best things to say about armenian food mm -hmm. it was always such a big deal and mm -hmm. they were just like no and they're like don't they're like don't overthink it they're like if you have access to armenian food uh, it was about bread and also about cured meats, obviously, uh, and uh, all the pickled vinegary delicious things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, that is that is that I'm realizing that that is when my awareness of Armenian food kind of came into play. It's just it's oh, my God, it's all the little pickly things like this is I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody else with. Middle Eastern heritage uh, on this show at some point. I'm very sorry, whoever you are, that I can't remember. About just like, they were like, yeah, like when you have a meal, you have, before you have the meal, you have olives and dolma and flatbreads and cured meats and string cheese. And if you don't have that, you don't have dinner. Like that's like that's an essential part of dinner is that you have the spread while you're preparing the meal. Yeah. And I realized like, yes, like that's not something I've done in my adult life just because I've never had the disposable income to have that on hand, which I know yeah. like there are a lot of people who don't. It made me realize that for me, like I don't really think of a meal as like a proper sit down dinner if you don't have that grazing period first yes like and I'm when people it. come in you have to have that on your table and like i frequently don't but i feel guilt about it because you're supposed to <laughs> i understand that so it's it's like very much of a um a welcoming culture so it's like yeah. let's break bread together we're we're sharing a meal no matter what we're or at least you know we're having yeah. A bit of a a bit of a situation, a bit of a snack situation to I mean, if help you, tide us over. If you come to my house, I'm gonna offer you food. Always. 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 Yeah, I know you understand this. <laughs> like yes. Yes. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bread is life. And Bread is life. It's 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 up there with rice as like just perfect food. And yep. it's like I wonder if we'll ever get to the gentrification of Lavash. Like there is a like. Oh my God. Everybody mild... close your eyes. We didn't talk about this. It's not special. Lavash is terrible. <laughs> it's awful. You don't 
want it. <laughs> what is like something truly offensive that like a uh, very trendy people could do to lavash that would like like what are the the lavash don'ts i guess honestly <laughs> i think they would make it wrong and it wouldn't be lavash and they would be calling it lavash that would be the sin to me is if i go in and you say it's lavash and it's not that's fair that is what would bother me the most yeah 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 like that you put whatever you want to put on it i don't care I just, there's so many ways it could go wrong. That's true. And I would be extremely mad. And I think it's just like, it's one thing if like an Armenian chain, like there are a few Armenian chains that do really good stuff in Montreal right now. Yeah. It's one thing if they make it big, you know, they're one of us. Um, yeah. But if some like hipsters in LA decided to like open an artisanal lavash cafe, um, like when that lady did that thing with toast, I would just be like, what? Like, no. And now I'm cracking up, actually, because I used to work for an Armenian L.A. hipster uh, who owns a very successful spice store in Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, which you shouldn't shop at because he's an asshole and he didn't pay me. Um, and that's why we're not naming this person. I'm not going to name him. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's really fair. There's like there is a respect to the to the bread type and yeah. to its origins. And I love that. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Put what you want in it. Ooh, like a nice like roasted lamb situation. So, traditionally, in- traditionally, you eat lavash with uh, korovats, which is barbecued lamb. And oh. so you barbecue it. Well, barbe- it can be any meat, but it's, it's usually lamb. We make lamb. You make the meat in the oven, right? Like you're roasting it yeah. over the coals, and then you're making the bread on the side of the tonier. Come on. I need this to uh, I need this to materialize yeah. and get in my mouth because that sounds perfect. I mean, it is barbecue season. I d- we don't have a tonier, but we could absolutely do... A like lavash and barbecued meat situation. I think I think we've got a plan for this summer. <laughs> you let me know when you're free. <laughs> well, Caddy, thank you so much. Uh, as always, it's been an absolute joy. Anytime. Before we wrap up, is there anything you want to plug? There is nothing specific that I would like to plug other than uh, be nice to people. I think that yes. uh, uh, yeah, be nice to people is uh, what I would like to plug. This is, I, this is I who I am now. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I love this. I love this for you. I love this, like, Thank you. gentle life. Yes. Yeah. Bit of softness. Like Lavash. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. Want to join the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Thomas, Anne, Erica, Erica, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, Sarah, Nell, Carol Ann, and Rachel. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. We also have merch, including our brand new strawberry merch. Uh, You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. And of course, you can always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. 
Our theme music is by Zach Blanket of Bread Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Yogurt on Everything Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, this show was produced by me, Tefra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Hello, folks. I'm Katie. I'm Vinny. And we host the Learn Real Good podcast. It's a comedy podcast about science. It's also a science podcast with comedy. Each episode, we interview a science grad student about their research. And we keep it casual so you don't need to be a nerd to follow along. We also share some of the latest science newts. I think you mean the latest science news. Well, people need to hear more about amphibians. I agree with that. So look us up on your favorite podcast source and learn learn real good. good. Presented by the Podcavern Newtwork. Uh, close enough.